This is Dying Message Challenge, the Inugami Curse. This is our second annual competitive book club, where this week and next we will be investigating the book The Inugami Curse by Seishi Yokomizo, translated to English by Yumiko Yamazaki. First mystery of the day, who am I? I'm the bespectacled host of this fiasco, Noah Max Levine, and once again I have taken off my detective hat and put on my game show gloves to host this very special event. And his lensless glasses. The last time you all pointed out that I wasn't actually wearing glasses, despite referring to myself as bespectacled. Mm -hmm. So this time I put on my glasses. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Seems like a real mystery. (laughs) So to, hey, listeners, if you're a fan of our regular podcast, Dying Message, the detective anime mystery podcast, we really think you'll enjoy today's episode. The Inugami Curse is one of the all-time classic Japanese detective novels. It's been made into two movies, and the detective Kosuke Kendaichi is the inspiration for the Kendaichi Case Files manga and anime. We'll tell you a little bit more about how everything's going to work in just a moment, but let's go ahead and meet our amateur sleuths who are going to take a crack at solving this book the same way they daily solve questions of everyday life. (laughs) I should stick to my written script. (laughs) Yes, you should. Our amateur sleuths are... First up, she is an educator and comedian, host of the Blue Sky Ed podcast, and the reigning champion of Dying Message Challenge... It's Kate Esposito. Hello. Hi, Kate. You won Dying Message Challenge last year. How are you feeling about your odds of taking the metaphorical trophy home again this year? I mean, there's a lot of pressure to live up to my reputation, but I uh, I have some theories, so I'm ready to go. Excellent. Good to have you here. Putting a lot of pressure on everybody else. Our next up, we have uh, our next person. He is an improviser and software person, the resident anime expert of Dying Message, and he remains my partner in crime, even after we are ending 15 or so months of living together and never leaving the apartment. It's Michael Savitsky. Software person? Yeah. Sounds like I work at, like, Babbage's in the 90s, and I'm selling you Windows CDs. (laughs) This is why I usually read these aloud to all of our guests, but um, despite the fact that you've been sitting next to me all day, I didn't do that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Michael, you were last year's runner up. What are you going to do differently this time to try to win the book club? I was thinking of trying to have even more anxiety about it and see, and see how that works out. That'll get you pretty far. <laughs> all right. It's time to meet our last amateur sleuth. She is a comedian and English teacher, um, not to be confused with our first guest. And she is not resident in our apartment. It's Sam Abrams. Hello. Sam, you are new to Dying Message Challenge this year. What do you bring to today's competition that these other folks should worry about? I bring complete forgetting that this is a competition. (laughs) And so therefore, I'll be real casual and overly competitive for no clear reason. That'll do it. I honestly think you're all going to win. But hey, who knows? Maybe all the points will add up to the same value. (laughs) You don't have a tiebreaker prepared? I sure do not. (laughs) Got a real whose line is it anyway approach over here. (laughs) It's a good thing the points all get added up next week. Yeah. Those were our three amateur sleuths, Kate, Sam, and Michael. So I want to share just a little bit about what's going to happen. Kate, Sam, and Michael have all read the beginning of the Inugami Curse by Sishi Yokomizo, but they haven't finished the book and they don't know the solution to the murders. During our podcast today, they will compete in a series of silly challenges and make official guesses on the murders in the book. You don't need to read the book to follow along with today's episode, but we'll be covering the book through page 243 and we'll be spoiling the solution to the murder and the ending of the book next week. So if you're interested in playing along, you will want to get your hands on the Inugami Curse by Seishi Yokomizo. Great opportunity for someone to sponsor us. 
Pushkin, Vertigo, Penguin, Random House. After I have everyone's guesses today, the sleuths will read the end of the book and come back in one week for some more challenges, and we will crown a champion. It's time for our first challenge. Yay! Woo! Same as last year, we're going to start off with your gut reactions to what you have read so far. It's a game of short, sweet judgment calls. It's Book Retort. So not too long ago, I asked each of you to prepare a one to two sentence clever comment to tell us how you feel about the first 243 pages of the book. My favorite retort will win three points. All the games are going to be very subjective, except for your mystery guesses. All right, Kate, you're up first, then Michael, then Sam. Oh, this one was tough. Oh, there's a lot in here. But I'm going to go with, uh, guys, there's a beautiful woman in this book. <laughs> no, that's she's mine. Like, she's, wait, no, no. She's like really beautiful. I don't know if you knew that from reading the first part of the book, but she's really beautiful. Thanks, Kate. Michael? Yes. Do you like radiant beauty? Do you like detectives whose main character traits are casually observing and maybe not bathing properly? <laughs> Then boy, oh boy, are you going to love the Inugami curse. And next up is Sam. Do you know what a zither is? You sure (laughs) will after reading the Inugami curse. Oh, man. Uh, We don't have enough time for me to putter about deciding who to judge. So uh, I thought you all were great. And I'm going to give (laughs) um, two points to Sam and Kate and three to Michael. Yes. Whoa. I'll take second place. I really wish I could go back and make mine. Um, guys, this book is a real head scratcher. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, a, a lot of allusions to some of the characteristics of the detective in the book and um, the, the very beautiful woman who gets frequently described as such. What I love is he scratches his head and everyone looks at him like, who scratches their head? <laughs> well, I get the impression it's something like a dog scratching their fleas in how uh, much he does it. Yeah, Maybe. It sounds very vigorous. Well, he is like, you know, Sherlock Holmes in that he's like a very recognizable detective in Japan and there's been a bunch of movies. So like Sherlock Holmes has his traits of, I don't know, taking drugs and playing the violin. And his trait is scratching his head Mm -hmm. and wearing traditional Japanese clothing. Yeah, the same outfit. So um, there there will be a prize this year. There was a prize last year, but it never happened. So (laughs) maybe it could happen for this episode. It won't. It won't happen. The fact that Kate didn't get to record an intro to the show is 100% my fault and not on Kate, and that may still happen. But I'll make some kind of fun t-shirt for whoever wins this year. Ooh. Because I feel like I can deliver that. Can I have a retroactive t-shirt? Um, I mean, you would still get the t-shirt now, so you can't have worn it throughout the past year. But uh, retroactively... We'll talk. We'll the, talk. Yeah, we'll talk. <laughs> so just a little bit of background on the book. All the names are in Western order. So the f- the first name is first, and then the surname is second, including the name of the author, Seisho Yokomizo, who lived from 1902 to 1981. His first book, couple books that he wrote were historical fiction. And then this book, among others, was published in serialized form. I don't know, like Dickens used to be in the Kodansha Weekly Shonen Magazine. And because of the kinds of books he writes, they referred to him as the Japanese John Dixon Carr. The Inugami Curse is the fifth or sixth novel in this series featuring the detective Kosuke Kendaichi, but it's only the second one translated into English. The first one is called The Hanjin Murders. That's already out. And the third, they're translating a third one to English in November called The Village of Eight Graves, but they're doing it all out of order. 
there's 76 novels, six plus films, television series, etc. It's a it's a big deal. And the English translation is by Yumiko Yamazaki. And I also want to shout out to the first book in the series, which was translated by the uh, Louise Hill Kwai, who translated the book we read last year. I didn't write this down, but I'm guessing nobody looked at the copyright page. Did you? Nope. A little. I did. I wanted to see when it was when it was done. There's a note I've never seen in any book before. It says, every effort has been made to contact the owner of the rights to this translation. Please contact Pushkin Press if you are the copyright holder. So I think this translation was published in 2007, and they appear to have republished it without maybe getting a hold of everyone involved. Huh. Hmm. So that's kind of a mystery. Huh. I missed that part. I was just looking for when it was written, given yeah. some of the... Uh attitudes about things yes same that's a perfect segue to like what it would just a general question that i had was like yeah this was written in the 1940s and is set in post world war ii japan uh what do folks make of the setting and how that comes out in the book well i did notice and this is my issue but i did notice as i was reading that as they were describing settings and such that i was very much envisioning like western settings and then when i looked up i forget the name of the the certain type of mat room that they kept oh, mentioning. the 12 the 12 mat room yeah yeah tatami with tatami mats yeah yes. four by three tatamis then i looked it up and realized that i might have been envisioning settings that were not accurate to the japanese culture of the 1940s well, they did say that the uh, the manor overall is like a hodgepodge Western style manor and old style Japanese manor. So both types of fixtures probably exist. And there's uh, the one character's quarters, which they make a fuss that it is Western style. Yes. Which actually made it more confusing for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it would be there, there's two movies of this. And I think we're probably going to watch one and maybe talk about it on the podcast because I think it's interesting to see some of these visuals. Mm-hmm. They got into it towards the end of the part that we read, where basically his mode for developing the manor was every time I add on a mistress, I'm just going to build an extra piece of house so I never have to see them. So if you imagine like Kyo with his Japanese style furnishings was like the earliest part of the manor because she was like the first to give birth or the first. Yeah. First uh, mistress. Then next is a Western part that he built and the next like it makes sense for his to be the Japanese ones, I guess. Yeah, it's a pretty sprawling, confusing compound. Yeah, before we get started, I'm just curious, are folks enjoying the book so far? Where are we at? I don't really like it. (laughs) (laughs) This was a chore. (laughs) Well, I think um, part of it for me is that it's written in a style that I think is meant to emulate like a police report um, Mm. or a detective's report. And I'm a little frustrated because I want to be feeling more in the action than being reported the action. Mm -hmm. So like uh, reading with the goal of, Ooh, I want to figure out who the killer is or killers. Hint, hint, that's my theory. (laughs) I am really frustrated because a lot of the information is given to you through someone else or is like, it was said that someone screamed and this person heard it and this person like verified. And so like, Maybe it's more modern books are are more like you would actually hear the scream. You would see someone run towards the scream. So I I just found it difficult to kind of adjust to like, okay, I guess I'm going to have to put aside that I keep reading everything with a grain of salt because I'm just hearing it from everybody rather than seeing much happen. 
or you have it written into the dialogue where the character is just outright saying what they what they saw, but it's kind of in that in between place. Yeah. And and I think like and I recognize that it's a specific style and it's a it fits what this book is, but it's made it frustrating for me to to really stick with it. Yeah, I was actually overanalyzing that aspect of the book maybe cuz like I think Noah, who went through my notes, uh, already knows that I wrote a lot of places, well, this part could be hearsay because she just said that. This yeah. part we know must be true because we saw it through her eyes. Da, 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 da. Like, yeah, I was analyzing that maybe to death. <laughs> I did find it helpful that I did the last reading challenge because when I did that first one, I had similar feelings to Sam of like not really feeling immersed in the book and get, adjusting to the kind of weird prose. And then this time I felt I I found it much easier to get through because I knew what to expect and knew how to approach it. I also feel like last time I was like hyper analyzing, maybe similar to you, Mike, I was like hyper analyzing every line like, oh, they said that shirt was green. And like it really I knew how to like look for the right information this time, I think. So <laughs> although there's a lot of information this time, yeah. I will say, Sam, there's no points for liking the book. So hey, you can uh, you can run away with this. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, being skeptical maybe will help me. I don't know. <laughs> You're not taken in. You see all the tricks here. So I want to share three things that happen at the beginning of the book before our next challenge. So Kosuke Kendaichi is a kind of well-known detective. He's summoned by this lawyer named Wakaba Yashi, who wants to tell him about the will of this old dead guy. While he's there meeting with the guy, he rescues this woman out of on a lake. It turns out she has been attacked several times. And the lawyer is killed by a cigarette, a poison cigarette, the only one in his pack that was just left there to kill him at some point. So that's kind of how the book starts. And uh, that brings us to our first game where we're going to try to start figuring out what's going on in this book. We have to try to wrap our head around the cast of characters with a game I call Family Tree Huggers. <laughs> Are we allowed to have the family tree open for this game? <laughs> yes, please do. Yay. Okay. In last year's book, we had a very complicated diagram of the mansion, and we had to try to make sense of that for a podcast. This year, we have a very detailed and important family tree on page 75, which most of the characters in the book are, are in this family tree. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to give you each about 30 seconds to try to explain the layout of the family tree while looking at it in the most auditorily entertaining and coherent way that you can. Whoever is most entertaining and coherent receives five points. Entertaining Um, and coherent. And we're allowed to spoil up until what we've read, correct? Anything that you've read, yes, absolutely. Yeah, because there's that big revelation (laughs) towards the end of what we read. So I'm going to also turn to page 75. I wasn't consistent this time in writing down who's going to go first. So this time it'll be Kate, Sam, Michael. All right. I don't know how entertaining this is going to be, but I'll give it my best. Do your best. The head of the family, the man who started all of the trouble of the book, uh, Sahe Inugami, had a lot of lovers in his life. I'm choosing to label him a bisexual, given the details we learn in this book. And because I just enjoy, even though it's terrible representation, I enjoy a good bisexual representation in a novel. So he had a mentor, a fair with a man, also that man's wife. They had a child together. I'm skipping ahead to what we learn at the end of the book. Then 
he has three children with three different mistresses. So we're at child number four now. And then he also has a mistress who's like 19 when he's in his 50s. Ick. That's all the time you have. No, I didn't (laughs) even get to half of it. Great job, Kate. That was so misleading. (laughs) All right, uh, Sam, you're up. And I saw, hey, hey, keep it in your pants. Hey, um, saw Inagami, very attractive man, had a mentor, had a homosexual relationship with him, but the mentor was pretty old, so he started hooking up with his wife, and the mentor was like, cool, dude. And then that ended for some reason. I don't remember why. So Sahe starts having kids with three different mistresses, and he puts them in different wings of his house. Those mistresses have doll, all daughters who get married, and they have their own kids, which makes inheritance tricky. Then he has one final fourth mistress. She seems cool. She has a boy. The other mistresses do horrible things to her to make her kind of lose her ability to have her son have inheritance. And then revelation, the original pairing of this um, mentor and his wife, they did have a baby with Sahe and she's so beautiful. (laughs) Great job, Sam. Thanks. All right, Michael, your turn. All right. I'm a visual learner, so I'm going to try to fix this family tree for everyone. So we've got Sahe, the the grandfather of five uh, at the top. And right now it's pointing to his uh, three daughters and down to their grandchildren. But you can turn those lines into squiggle lines and just put loveless, loveless fucking. Uh, and then we have below that that tree, we have a separate tree that uh, has Daini and Hario, uh, the priest and his wife, pointing down to their daughter and granddaughter, but cross that off. Cut Daini off into his own little pod and just have a line between him and Sahe that says butt sex slash cuckold. Uh, and then draw a line to Haruyo because they was fucking and then down to their grandchildren. And then we also have this fun little one off to the side that's with Kikuno and Shizuma. And you can keep that the same. That's actually the only accurate part of the tree. But I would argue that you should cross out Shizuna's name and write in like a question mark because he hasn't been in the book yet. <laughs> or has he? Oh, great job, everyone. Uh, Kate, I I didn't pre-assign an order and you went first. And, and I th- I think that worked against you not having you a did. sense of how much the time was going to be. I think I'm going to give Sam five, Kate two and Michael three. Are we keeping track of our own points? Uh, I have an Excel spreadsheet. If you don't trust me, I think Neil didn't trust me last year and he wrote down all his points. <laughs> no, I don't want to do his. math. I trust you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. He had a whiteboard. That sounds right. <laughs> I'm really glad that we did that and repeated that stuff three times because, boy, that, is that going to help anybody who's listening and hasn't read the book potentially figure out what, what the heck we're talking about. But right, so, so he has a bunch of kids, and we're going to talk about the will in a second. Um, he has the three grandkids, each with a separate wife. This is Sae Inugami, the head of the family who is now dead. So those three are Tomo, are named Tomo, Take, and Kyo. And then he has his fourth grandson with his mistress named Shizuma. And then Tamayo is his granddaughter that we don't know is his granddaughter for most of the book. And she is beautiful and she is very, very important to everything that goes on in the book. Oh, I forgot to change the chart to say beautiful. I would have gotten. Oh, wait, was she beautiful? I'm going to write it in. (laughs) I didn't know. (laughs) I'm just going to add it in. Oh, yeah. I should have sent you all like a a version to do like a a coloring project or something. (laughs) (laughs) I wrote it into her book. (laughs) 
All right, there are seven more characters in this book that we haven't talked about. So we'll try to keep this quick, but we'll bring back uh, a favorite game from last year. This is a game that I'm going to call Make It Nice, Break the Ice. So you will each take turns introducing yourself as if you're one of the characters at a cocktail party. So you'll speak in first person as the character. You'll give your name, your role, your slash relevance to the plot, and an interesting fact about yourself. So for example, if we were to do Sahe Inugami who are not, you might say, Hi, I'm Sahe Inugami. I'm the wealthy dead guy who left behind a will, and I hate everyone. And I fuck. <laughs> um, so you'll each get three different people, and then everybody will do one for the detective Kindaichi. So three each. Each one will get you'll get zero to two points for it. All right. So this will be Michael Sam Kate. Michael Sam Kate. Michael Sam Kate. So the first person, Michael, is Kyozo Furidate. Oh, Furidate. Oh, and right. Sorry. Um, for those of you following along at home with the book or for our folks here, you may want to be on page seven, which has the list of names in the character list. Hi, I'm Furudate. I'm a completely uh, unremarkable lawyer character who exists purely to give credibility to a supposedly interesting detective character. Uh, and my employees aren't particularly trustworthy. Please hire me. I'm out of work. <laughs> and Sam, you have Toyoichiro Wakabayashi. Wait. <laughs> I think you're trying to imply that he's dead. Kate, you have monkey. A monkey. I uh I like gardening. I like my Missy, Miss Tomeo. And uh described in a really insensitive way as having a lower intelligence. But I am smart in my own way. And yeah, someone that grew up with Tamayo and takes care slash looks after her. And yes, Kate, I think you hit the nail on the head. And truly, if we find out he's yet another grandson, I'm not going to be that surprised. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, next up, Michael, you have Taisuke Aoyama. Oh my God, you guys, I just found out this old dude was fucking another dude. Do you want to see my box? It's my box full of weird <laughs> secrets. I'm, this is the biggest thing that's ever happened to me in my stupid, shitty priest life. It's so exciting. I'm going to read about gay sex. Why am I interested in that? Anyway. Make sure you uh, like give just the dictionary definition of who they are in the book, in addition to all the wonderful stuff that you all are doing. <laughs> Thanks, Michael. Uh, Sam, you, you get the very exciting character, Chief Tachibana. <laughs> Hello, my name is Chief Tachibana. I hate this case. Every time I got to come look at some legs sticking out of some ice or something, I go, fuck, I hate this case. Uh, I'm kind of helpful. I got connections. I'm uh, the chief of police. Great. And uh, Kate, you have Kokin Miyakawa. Hi, I'm Kokin Miyakawa. I can't see very well. I have one, I think, sort of blind eye and then another eye that sort of sticks out of my head. Um, I am the teacher of Miss Matsuko Inugami, learning the koto or the zither. I am mysteriously present for all of these murders and may or may not be someone else involved in the story, but we haven't figured that out yet. I'm a very mysterious person. All right. Great job, everyone, so far. Um, and last, everybody do one as, as Kendaichi. Short and sweet. Mike, Sam, then Kate. 
excuse me. I'm just I I was thinking about something. I don't know if this is this is reading. I hope it is at least a little bit. But I'm scratching as hard as I can. It's a thing I do when I start to think because I am a detective. I am apparently a very famous detective, but I don't seem to have all that many interesting characteristics or even contribute to the plot in any meaningful way, except for some casual observations. Hopefully, I do more in the next twenty pages. Oh, that's some good scratching sound. <laughs> Podcast listeners love it. <laughs> oh, my turn. Uh, yeah, Sam. <laughs> I can't believe you haven't heard of me. Let me toss some clothes on and go see this crime scene, which I'll prefer not to look at and instead trust the police description of. <laughs> I hope I figure this out. <laughs> And Kate. Uh, it's, it's me. I'm the famous detective, Kendaichi. I, uh, I like head scratching. Uh, I've seen a lot of gruesome murders, but I'm still horrified when I see one that's like mediocre at best. And uh, I slept in this morning until a very late 7 a.m. <laughs> Great job, everyone. That was so helpful to all of our listeners, I'm sure. Yes, Sam. Are we skipping poor Sayoko? Oh my oh, gosh! Poor Sayoko. No, she was covered uh, technically on the family tree. We didn't, but that's right. We didn't mention her because she is. Could I do one for no points? Because she doesn't matter in the sure, story. Sure, you you yeah, could do, do one it. for no points. It's me, Sayoko. I thought I was gonna get to marry one of these sons, but fuck me, I guess because I don't have any place in the will. I am beautiful, but not as beautiful. As this other chick, who everyone describes as beautiful. Oh, and now I'm pregnant and insane, because this is a time period that is rough on women. And I have a button! Don't forget she wanted to marry her first cousin, so... They're not related. Well, I guess they're related. They are first cousins, I think, because they both have the same grandfather. Uh. She was very interested in Tomo, who is the second one killed and of course when a woman is in love with a man and the man dies that's it for her she'll she never recover insane. yep yeah. this is this is a fact we know this to be a fact i'm sorry it's not it's not a good thing in this book she also learned a lot of other things about him all at the same time that weren't uncomfortable for her that's also true we'll we'll get there real soon so i do want to tell you adding up the points for the three go rounds michael you got four points kate you got four and a half and sam you got five and a half Wow. Wait, what's the ceiling on this? <laughs> Zero to two points for each one. Uh, I see. So okay. the ceiling is six, I guess. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right, let's talk about the will. I don't have a game for this. Well, I do, but we're going to do it at the end. So the, the the first weird thing about reading the will is that everybody has to be present. Well, that's not weird. Like everybody specified in the will, but his grandson Keo has been at war forever. And finally he's returned, but there's weird stuff going on. What is weird about Keo when he comes back? He's wearing a black hood uh, with just eyes popped out. And then uh, they eventually get him to take off the hood. And he's wearing a mask of his own face, (laughs) which (laughs) freaks everybody out because it doesn't make any facial expressions because it's a mask. And then they finally get him to take the mask off and describe his face as a pomegranate multiple times, (laughs) which is rough. He was wounded in the war and is no longer recognizable and is, miss- is missing a nose and, and things like that. Is it maybe like his chin? Everyone's like, yeah, th- that's that's his chin right there. The mask is definitely something like I saw some clips from the film and he has it's almost like a creepy Michael Myersy mask. 
Like, mm. it's totally a creepy thing to have a mask of your own face. <laughs> <laughs> That's assuming it is his face. The other thing we know about the will is Wakabayashi, the lawyer who was killed, had maybe, I don't remember exactly when we figured this out, but he had maybe shown that will to somebody. Yeah, the seal was broken. The seal was broken and and he showed someone the will. Okay, this is a terrible will. <laughs> is this not a terrible will? It's pretty bad. It's they got a lot to... of contingencies, though. <laughs> yeah, they didn't have to sleep in a haunted house, though. So we got to hear about it for two chapters, too. Mm-hmm. It's like he wanted to breed resentment, and which he probably did, considering that he hated his whole family, pretty much. It's why the lawyer was so freaked out. So the there's three like family heirlooms. The axe or a yoki, the zither or a koto, and a chrysanthemum or a... Kiku? Kiku. I didn't write it down because, boy, I should have. And they give us the Japanese words for all of those. The fact that she gets those means that she inherits everything. But in order to keep it, she has to marry one of Sahe Inugami's three grandsons named Kiyo, Take, or Tomo, or else she forfeits it. And she has three months to choose. But if everyone refuses to marry her or die, then she can inherit the stuff anyway. And this is Tamayo. Yeah, this is Tamayo, the granddaughter of the priest, but actually his granddaughter in the end. So also her first cousins. Also, can somebody give me a physical trait of Tamayo? Um, She's tall. She's beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) She doesn't say much. I was trying to think if I could actually think about anything about her, but I can't. Yeah, her, her life has been pretty weird. There's also a lot of details about what happens if she doesn't meet the conditions or dies and how the um, inheritance is divided up. Basically, some of it goes to the grandson. Some goes to Shizuma Aonuma, who he mentioned was like he, he uh, someone with a mistress that he had who is also missing. Um, and there's lots of details about how that works. But I think we will go straight to a murder, shall we? <gasps> Let's do it. So this is our first detective challenge. Chrysanthemum is for chrysanthemum murder. You tried. You tried, Noah. <laughs> I think I could say that better. the word, Noah. Come on. Uh, that's too yeah. obvious. Low-hanging, <laughs> low-hanging chrysanthemums. Um, so let me fill everybody in on the circumstances of this crime. Not going to mention every detail, so feel free to bring something up that I miss. Some of that stuff might be important, but, you know, whatever. Uh, we've got time constraints. The first murder happens amidst the turmoil over the will. Kendaichi is immediately summoned once it happens to look at the scene. Only the head of the victim is present there, Take, the middle grandson. His head is on top of a chrysanthemum doll in the middle of uh, the chrysanthemum dolls are making up a scene from a kabuki play called The Chrysanthemum Garden, which is described and explained in a lot of detail um, that I will not recount. But let me read from page 99, just briefly. Take's severed head lay on the ground, the cut surface covered with congealed reddish-black blood and revealing a shapeless mass inside. It was a nauseating, nightmarish head straight from hell. That's the description of that. All right, so let me give you all a few clues slash details of what happened here. Take was killed on the evening of November 15th. Monkey was the first one to discover his head. The body isn't found until the next day. It's found floating in the middle of the lake, and a bloody boat is discovered uh, further down from the mansion elsewhere on the shore of the lake. And that's what carried the body. On the evening that Take was killed, the family was all in a meeting together until 10 p.m. Kyo, who had the mask on, they wanted him to prove his identity. They had a scroll with his handprint, and they wanted him to do a handprint. His mom was refusing, and he ultimately refused to do so, but everyone was there until 10. Then from 10 to 11, Tamayo, the beautiful person, 
met with Take on the observation deck, which is where he was killed. Tamayo had a pocket watch that Kyo had touched, so it might have had his fingerprints on it. Kyo used to be able to repair pocket watch, but refused to repair it. And nobody has found the pocket watch. It wasn't found with the body. So my questions are, who killed Take and why? What were the circumstances of Take's death? And why was Take's headless corpse thrown into the lake? What, what, what are we thinking about this murder before you log your official guesses? Like, what do we think, but not making a guess? Yeah, just chatter. I think there was confusion around this one. So I think, um, not to make my predictions, but I think there are two like murderous sets of people in this book. I think Wakabayashi and then all of these grandkids are like kind of separate. So I think the body like ends up in a weird place because they, I think there was confusion about like, Oh, fuck, what do we do with this? So let, let's just do it. Whatever. I will have a format on paper. <laughs> Sam, you're ready to give us your official guess. No, no, no. It's good. We're all flexible here. So you just told us why Take's head was thrown into the lake. Or, the or why body. the body, body. Why the body was thrown into the lake. So who killed him and why and anything else you want to tell us about the circumstances? So they were, he was like at a table, right? Like there was a, a place where they found all the blood, if I remember correctly. The blood was like on the observation deck, which is why they thought he was killed up there. I think in my brain, it was like two people were sitting at a table and then he is stabbed, I believe, through the back with a dagger. Right. And they thought it should be a sword. And then they were like, how do you behead someone with a dagger? That seems much more difficult than doing it with a sword. I think it was Kyo and the repatriated soldier who I think is Shizuma. And I think they've swapped places. This is my theory. So I think the person who's pretending to be Kyo is Shizuma and Kyo is actually doing all sorts of other shit as the repatriated soldier. So I think it was Kyo as the repatriated soldier. That did the murder. Cool. I think that's pretty thorough. Michael, who killed Take and why? What were the circumstances of the death? Why was the corpse thrown into the lake? I also think it was the combination of fake Kyo, who is actually Shizuma, and repatriated soldier, who is actually Kyo. <laughs> so yeah i didn't i don't know why they're allied like that's the big piece of information that's missing so it's like really weird to say why they committed this first murder but i guess it's either like the, to keep tamako from having to marry take because they weren't going to get him to refuse to marry her or anything and or to try to f- get the pocket watch which it's unclear if well, no it's clear that they didn't get a hold of it because of things that happened later so i don't know where that thing ended up the yeah the circumstances I believe he was probably stabbed shortly after his confrontation with Tamayo and Monkey, where Monkey knocked him on the ground and someone stabbed him in the back from behind, one of the two. And then our repatriated soldier, a.k.a. Real Kyo, took him in the boat and dumped him into the lake. Oh, so do you think Kyo's working with Tamayo and Monkey? No. Oh, okay. Potentially for, but not with. Okay. I see. All right, Kate, where are you at? Are you also on this train? I am, and I'm going to add one more level to it. Yeah. Which is, so I think, I agree with Mike's theory that Kyo and Shizuma have switched places. I'm not sure they're working together. I feel like my my instinct was that Shizuma stole Kyo's spot in the family to try and get rid of the people in his way. And then is going to reveal himself to take the whole fortune. But I think uh, Kokin Miyakawa 
is uh what's her name shizuma's mother kikuno Eunuma. i'm sorry i'm terrible at pronouncing these names i feel like they have like she mother and son have some sort of elaborate plot together to take the family fortune back Hmm. and so i think there are two characters with like faces that are difficult to that have been like mutilated in some way. These people are horrible to these poor people with facial injuries. Um, but they've been, they've been, their faces have been changed. So I think that mother and son were involved in the first murder. Yeah. Uh, the body in the lake. I don't know. I'm stumped on that part about why they had to get rid of the body. Cause they say numerous times, like, well, why would you need to get rid of the body? Why decapitate the body and get rid of the body? Yeah. Um, maybe dramatic effect. I don't know. Can I can I add to my theory? Yes. So, Kate, I agree. I think this um, Kodo teacher is more than than she says. But I think because she's supposed to be older, I think it might be Haruyo, which is the because they say she's dead, but like I don't believe anything. Um, that's <laughs> the that's Daini, the um, former priest who uh, his wife, who Sahe, you know, boned. And that's how um, Tamayo eventually came about. That's what I think. Well, well, well. And I think I think they met. I don't know. Maybe I'm naive, but I think they met in war together. And I want to believe that Tamayo would like Kyo because he's nice. And so it, when he heard the horrible things that his mom and his like not aunts did to to um, what's her name to Kikuno, then he would be like, okay, let's make this right. Yeah. So I think that's why I think they're all working together. I've written down all of your answers into the logbook, the official dying message challenge logbook. And we'll close that for a second because um, we've, we've got to take a break from murders for a moment and play a short game about hidden identities, which I like to call the mask of the Mohicans. Yikes. <laughs> oh, no. We doing that? <laughs> it's it's. I really struggled coming up with names this time. I'm so sorry. All right. So before the first murder, they had the scroll with a handprint and Matsuko was refusing to let them get Keo's handprint. But the next day they take his fingerprint and it matches and it looks like it is a perfect, it's a perfect match on the scroll. Tamayo and Matsuko both have weird reactions, seem unsettled, but nobody asks them why. And we don't know why that is. Okay, let's pretend we don't know any of that. You all have great theories about what's going on with the mask and all of that. Let's throw that all away. I want each of you to just pick a person who could be hiding underneath this mask to just to be a strange random reveal of who it was this whole time. It's not a serious challenge, doesn't have anything to do with the logic of the book, someone who wasn't alive at this time from another fictional universe, whatever you like, the most amusing answer wins. Who should it be that was under the mask the whole time? Uh, Michael, then Sam, then Kate. Uh, So I think it was actually... Tamayo under the mask because her radiant beauty was so much, you guys. She had to be under a mask sometimes. Like <laughs> it wasn't all the time. She wasn't always the person in the mask. Sometimes it was Kyo, but like when when everyone was like, My God, I'm just so tired of beauty, she was like, I have to put the mask on. I have to be fair to everybody. So that's why like you very rarely see those two in the same place. Okay. So it's not like she's also sitting elsewhere in the room. No. Her uh, while oh. she could do that, because her beauty is so <laughs> radiant, she could project it into another position in the room. She does not do that well. No, she's she's restraining it with the mask. All right. Th- thank you, Michael. Sam? Everyone is monkey. Every single character <laughs> is monkey. 
Um, I think Monkey got tired of everyone talking about his low brow bone and low intelligence, put on a mask, murdered some folks, and then was like, I was just hanging out with my chrysanthemums. That's his revenge. And he deserves it because they're shitty to him. Good stuff. Kate? Um, I think that uh, Under the Mask is other famous literary character without a nose, Lord Voldemort, um, hiding from persecution while he's recovering from his curse that backfired off Harry Potter. I I, I do think you're going to win with that, Kate. <laughs> I'll give you five points and I'll give the other two three. I, I love the idea of the Radiant Beauty. I love the idea of Monkey having machinations. But you don't throw it past Rowling to somehow write Voldemort into this book. Well, she did tweet about it once, to be fair. So it <laughs> yeah, must be exactly. True. Regardless, we won't talk about her any more than that because you know we all have things to say. But it's just too plausible to me. Great job, everyone. The tricky thing about this book is there's so much stuff happening between the murders. So you all talked about this repatriated soldier, um, and I want to just fill in a little bit of his story. So the murder happened on November 15th, like around 11 p.m. or so. This soldier had appeared at a hotel nearby at 8 p.m., checked in and checked out the next morning at 5 a.m., and no one in the hotel saw his face. He kept his face covered. That next night, on November 16th, this someone dressed as a soldier broke into Tamayo's room. Again, no one saw their face, tried to steal something. Sayoko saw Monkey fighting with the soldier, and then Kyo was found later with his um, mutilated face at the base of the observation deck. So there's something going on with him, and he's everywhere or nowhere, or who is it, and all of that. All right, let's go to our second detective challenge. You say tomato, I say Tomo killed with Kodo string. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, If only we could capture these faces. If only we had that technology, the faces you all are making at me. I'll just... Make it my face as loud as possible. I struggle to succinctly describe what the setup for this crime is, but let me let me try my best. So Tamayo sneaks away from Monkey, who is usually always by her side, goes out by herself in a rowboat. Tomo comes up beside her in a motorboat, and it's like, hey, there's an emergency. So she gets in his boat. He drugs her and knocks her out with like chloroform or something like that. He takes her to a nearby abandoned house from the family and starts to strip her down because this is part of his plan to force her to marry him. Someone else is in the house and stops anything from happening, and someone calls Monkey up, who comes and gets Tamayo and brings her back. So then when everybody hears about what happened from Monkey, they all go back to the abandoned house where they find that Tomo has been killed. So let me read what that is like. Yes, Tomo was indeed inside the empty house. As the group, led by Monkey, entered the barren bedroom, they saw Tomo, naked from the waist up, head hanging down on his chest, still gagged and bound to the chair with his hands tied behind him. Then they saw it, something strange, wound around Tomo's neck. It was a kodo string. The string had been wound around Tomo's neck three times and buried deep in the flesh, making horrible bruises. There was a jarring scream and someone collapsed to the floor. It was Sayoko. Sayoko is definitely, it may be given the shortest stick in this book. Who knows? She's the Ophelia. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So the clues for this murder, all this is happening on November 25th, nine days after the first murder. Monkey found Tamayo at around 4 p.m. And at that time, Tomo was tied to the chair and gagged, but Monkey says he was alive. And Tamayo had a note pinned to her chest, which reads, Tomo did not succeed. I bear witness to the fact that Tamayo remains as pure and untouched as before. And the note has been signed by the man in the shadows. There's a whole hullabaloo about the note. Uh, that's a thing. 
Uh, Monkey comes back and brings Tamayo to the house between 4.30 and 5.30, but doesn't bring back Tomo. Tomo was killed by strangulation, although the marks don't appear to have been made by a Kodo string. He was killed between 8 p.m. and 9 p.m., and they go through everybody in the house and where they were, and nobody had enough time to get all the way away from the villa and back during that time frame. But the other thing is there's a weird discrepancy about the Kodo string because the, it's tied very tightly, but there's abrasions that it couldn't have been made based on the way it was tied. And he's missing a button off his shirt, which is found later being held by Sayoko covered in blood. And it's not clear how she could have gotten it without going back to the house. And she didn't go back to the house. So my questions are, who killed Tomo and why? What were the circumstances of his death? Um, and then these next questions come more or less from Kendaichi's notes on page 222, where he summarizes everything and asks questions. Uh, why were there extensive rope burns on Tomo's skin, although the rope was wound around him so tightly there was no slack? And why did Sayoko have the button from Tomo's shirt? Michael, you're up first. Okay, now I'm excited about this one because uh, this was like the weird epicenter of all of my solving things because as I was like going back into the book to find little bits and pieces, I was like, oh, well, why did this happen? Oh, it must be this. So like I updated this a whole bunch and I feel pretty good about this. So... I think Tomo was killed by Matsuko. The, the basic why would be because someone's already dead. So if she kills Tomo, then that leaves her son Kyo to be the only inheritor. Uh, I was on the fence on whether or not it was her or the fake Kyo. Uh, but then I reread the section where she snaps the Kodo string while they're talking to her, like where they interrupt her lesson to, to question them. And there's like, she's, she does this whole dramatic deal like, oh... I broke, I, I cut my finger. I'm like, bitch, you're, you're being dramatic. And like, even the teacher said something like, you did it just now? Like, as if she had already had an injured finger and they were trying to like, just play with her because she can't see. And like, you didn't know it was injured. Uh, but so I think the blood on the button that they found is probably from her finger and she injured herself while killing him. Uh, the circumstances. So we know he's got the rope burns all over his body as if the ropes were loose, even though they found him tied up very tightly. Uh, and I think that's because he wriggled out. I think he wriggled out of the first set of ropes uh, after he was supposed to have been rescued by Monkey. Monkey was just like, nah, I don't feel like it. So that's why I was like, well, it's not the repatriated soldier because he basically left him to be rescued, which would have been a really bad idea if he suspected that would happen. Uh, so yeah, so he got loose and came all the way home. And in the middle of her lesson, Matsuko took a short break to go murder him. Uh, so I already did the extensive bur uh, rope burns part because he got free and he like burned himself by rubbing the ropes mm -hmm, all over mm -hmm. while trying to get loose. Uh, and why did Sayako have the missing button? Because he was he was on the premises when he lost the button when Matsuko killed him. And that and then she found that later. So then why was his body found at the house? Someone brought it back. I, I feel like there's probably uh, I mean, Matsuko maybe had the opportunity to do it. So it could have been Matsuko. Uh, but there's some kind of collaboration. Like she can't be ignorant to the weird swapsy between Kyo and Shizuma. So it could have been Kyo as the the repatriated soldier, or it could have just been her. There's a whole big portion of the night where I don't think anybody was accounted for. So anyone yeah. could drag them back as long as he was hidden until he was discovered. All right. Thanks, Michael. Kate, you're up next. So after the first book club on your podcast, I learned that I will likely not correctly solve the mystery. So I'm just going with like gut feelings and I'm telling you the house opened up. Okay. It opened up like a dollhouse. Sorry, <laughs> that <laughs> book was wild. <laughs> there was like a marble that rolled. I don't know. Anyway, we won't go backwards. So Lord Voldemort wanting to make another Horcrux decide. No, I'm just kidding. 
I, I still think that it was this uh, Shizuma, Kyo, maybe mom. What's mom's name again? Matsuko. No, there's lots of moms in this book. Oh, that's um, true. Kikuno. It was some version of those three. I'm going to go ahead and make my official guess that it was also Shizuma with the, in the like secret soldier get up. Um, I agree with Mike's theory that I think he had, Tomo had rope burns because initially he was able to almost free himself and then was retied up when the murderer came back. The button is an interesting part of all of this. I'm going to go ahead and say that Sayoko was having like a tearful, pleading conversation with Tomo, who she was clearly in love with, and also pregnant with probably his baby. And she like ripped it off his shirt, which doesn't totally line up with all the evidence, but that's what I'm going with. And that's why she has the button. Awesome. Thanks, Kate. Sam. I'm going the romance angle. So I think it was Keo as the repatriated soldier, because as we've talked about, we know there's some switcheroonies, or we think there are. I think he was tied up pretty loosely because they wanted people to see that he was there and he was alive. But I don't think the repatriated soldier left the house or left like where the house is. Um, and so waited for them to either come rescue Tomo and then they you know would do it another way although I do like Mike's argument that Tomo got away that makes more sense but I'm sticking with my theory um (laughs) and so I think the the ropes were just relatively loose um so Tomo could struggle 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 monkey comes gives him a good smack in the face which go monkey I'm a big fan (laughs) and then I think the repatriated soldier who's actually Keo comes in and does the final kill. I think this is because Kyo and and, uh, Tamayo actually did have a nice little thing. And the idea that someone would harm Tamayo that way just so infuriates Kyo that it's like, let's move this plot along because everything happens kind of quickly. And I think the button is uh, like a trophy. Like I think someone kept the button like whoever did the actual killing, if it's Keo as the repatriated soldier, cool. And I think um, part of what drove Soyoko crazy is um, threatening her with it and saying like, you know, this button, if you say something, then this will, you know, be your blood next or something like that. Like, I think there's, maybe I just want better for her, but I just want there to be more, I guess, to push her over the edge rather than just like, okay, she's hysterical because her beloved is a rapey dead man. (sighs) Yeah. Good guesses, everyone. I like Mike's better than mine, but I'm sticking with mine. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, my intention is that you stick with the guests you came in with just because I feel like you all could chat and like come to one consensus together, but then Mm -hmm. I can't score you separately. Mm -hmm. Maybe Maybe that's what I should do instead. Maybe it should be a cooperative book club. Ooh. Where you try to solve the murder together. Maybe we'll do that next year. But who will win? Everyone. Or no one. <laughs> or no one. What a well, sad... we all know that winning comes with a big prize that you definitely get. So. Oh, snap. Oh, boy. <laughs> uh, yeah, being immortalized as the winner on the podcast for all the people that have listened to it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's time for another quick challenge, everybody. I like to call this one the Chapter of Revelations. 
So between this murder and the third murder, there are two big revelations, and we've kind of chatted about these a little bit. Um, We'll talk about the revelations in a second. But I want you to tell me what big revelation are you going to make right now? The biggest surprising revelation about your backstory wins. Our personal backstories? Yeah, just a revelation, not about the book. Okay, okay. Revelation in that we need to immediately discover something about ourselves or we need to share it's like a, a detail. It's like a secret that you've had. So the revelations oh, I'm talking about okay. for reference, so you get an idea. So one of the things that's revealed now is that the three daughters of Sahe Inugami, Matsuko and the other two, went to his mistress and threatened her and did terrible things to her. And the second revelation is that Sahe not only had a homosexual relationship, great, I'm using the language of the book, had some gay loving with Dany, uh, <laughs> but also slept with his wife and is Tamayo's grandfather. So those are both, those are the, revel- the revelations. Just an honest to goodness throuple, really. Yeah. You don't know what got them going. All right. So Kate, then Mike, then Sam. Well, I mean, I had this mentor and I got really involved with both him and his wife. <laughs> Oh, revelation about my life. That's a tough one. I'm assuming it's going to be not real. Oh, damn. Oh, it can be oh, real. We're making I, up I revelations. Was, I assumed it was fake, yes. Oh, yeah. Okay. You all are imp- improvisers. <laughs> you know, the lines between what's real and fake on this podcast are very blurry. Hey, it can be real. Just remember the criteria is the wildest and craziest wins. I don't know if you guys knew this, but uh, I was uh, on the original crew of Apollo 11 for the moon landing. I, to this day, still have rocks from the moon in my my living room. I am now immortal because of that trip. Oh, wow. Uh, Michael, what would you like to reveal to us? Well, since you asked. So you know how sometimes people say like, oh, if only I could go back and do it differently. Well, the fact of the matter is I am doing that right now because uh, so my mem- we in the future, about 30 years from now, a time machine is invented. It can't transport matter, but it can transport electricity. And so we figured out a way to send people's brains effectively, their mind, their memories, the, their memory state backwards in time. So I have sent my 30-year-old older self back in time here. I'm like I'm like fixing little things along the way I did wrong. That's not like my mission. My mission is to prevent a disaster that I can't really disclose at this time. Uh, but like I'm doing little things better, like trying to eat better, make like a few less embarrassing mistakes. I'm not allowed to change the timeline that much, but I thought you were going to say you sent yourself back in time to win Dying Message Challenge. <laughs> no, I'm not allowed to fix that one. I mean, I'm not allowed to unfix that one. I mean, what are we talking about? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Sam? Uh, this is true, because I never understand the assignment, I guess. I'm really <laughs> empathizing with my seventh graders. But I went to the hippiest, dippiest, most liberal college I possibly could. I joined the circus. I lived in a co-op. I made tofu, I did all those things, and I still never had the guts to go braless. And therefore, I have way overcompensated in the last, like, what, 18 months, and may never wear one again, if I could help it. Except I teach 7th graders, so I'll have to. Swing low, sweet chariots, my friends. Well, this is a tough (laughs) one to grade. I'm going to do five points for Sam, three points for Kate, and one point for Michael. One point. This is this is punitive, and you're going to hate me for this. But you would never send your consciousness back in time because 
according to previous conversations we have, you would feel like you're actually creating a copy of yourself because you would still be existing in the present and you wouldn't actually be going back in time. But it's to, whole- fix, it's to fix a great wrong. Ha! Being penalized for having a close personal relationship. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've talked about the science fiction plot line where you like put your brain into someone else's body and Michael's like, but it would just be a copy of your brain. It wouldn't really be you. So I just don't see him sending a copy of himself mm. back in time. Let's ship a Theseus combo over here. The yeah, greater exactly. good. <laughs> <laughs> I think we we can talk a little bit more about these revelations. Does anybody want to say anything about one, one of these two things before we move on to the third murder? Just that the three daughters, I'm sorry. I I just they have no redeeming qualities. <laughs> like none. The the I know they were treated horribly by their father, but Matsuko Umeko and uh who's the third daughter? Takeko. Terrible people. They're all terrible. Yeah, in a way that like makes you dislike the author for writing women so yes. terribly. <laughs> yes. This re- revelation gave me a a second theory and I and I'm showing you my notebook to show that I have two th- I wrote two theories and this is the one I started with, but the other one I feel strongly more more strongly about. They mention that Umiko is a very good strategist. That's like something that which is a horribly creepy thing to say when the strategy she's employing is hurting this woman's baby so that she'll give up that baby's rights in to um, inherit um, all of this stuff. Um, And so my other theory that I am not confident about is that it is the three daughters doing all of the killing, but they're not very well coordinated. So they coordinated to kill Wakabayashi and then one of them kills Take, another kills Tomo, and we'll get to the other one. Like in a rock, paper, scissors. I mean, you know, I'm really hedging my bets by saying like it could be everybody, but yeah. I, I think like, you know, the other theories we've talked about feel stronger, but given we've already seen what brutality they are capable of, and I would be really interested to watch the movie scene of this scene because like it seems like uh, Matsuko is like telling this in a very cold and direct way, which is super creepy. Yeah. I like that put that idea in my head before we learned even more about like what was going to happen next. This is also clearly setting up the reveal of Shizuma, who was basically branded with a hot, uh, I forget what tool she used, but basically like a hot piece of metal mm-hmm. twice as a baby. Honest I feel like it's clearly gonna be like oh no look there's the burn marks it's shizuma show me that ass yeah mm-hmm. show me that ass uh the only thing i i have to say about the revelations not to be like a, I, I knew that uh but i did see the uh tamayo one coming like a mile away like yeah like they were talking about how beautiful it was how much he, he doted on her how attractive he was when he was younger yeah and his relationship and they kept harping on the relationship with these people who don't seem to matter so clearly they matter so yeah, I was like, okay, so she's his like favorite granddaughter, probably. Well, and he All keeps right. her around and takes her in and like, you know, if I was one of these horrible, wicked daughters, then I would be like, why, why is this lady getting all of this power when she has no relation? So yeah, I'm, I'm with you, Mike. His three daughters are written with like the depth of Cinderella's evil stepmother and yes. wicked stepsisters. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Let's do the third murder. Now, I cut you off at a very specific point 
but it's before even some of the details about this murder had been shared. So I don't know that we'll go as much into depth about this one, but let's let's see what happened because this is right where we all stopped reading. Our third detective challenge of the book, Murdered Man Upside Down Lake. Does that make sense to anybody as a pun? Murdered Man Upside Down Lake? Upside Pineapple down Upside Down Cake. Uh, Great. Okay, so yep. maybe it works. Yep. It's a, it's a reach, Noah. It's a reach, but you know. What about I'm going to ax you about this murder? <laughs> That's good. That's good. Uh, Sam, you get a bonus point. What? Yes. Oh, it's like inspiration in D&D. You always get bonus points if you come up with better names for my uh, games than I did. I think you owe Mike one. I feel like there was one Mike had. I'm going to send my mind back in time to the beginning of the podcast knowing that information. Hold on. <laughs> I'm just backing off on this one because I want someone else to win this time. So The, the great burden of, of champion. <laughs> Here's the circumstances of the crime. 20 days after Tomo's murder, Kendaichi is woken in the middle of the night and taken out to the observation deck where Take was killed. Here is what he saw. Page 235. I mostly say for my own benefit. Just below the observation deck where Take had been killed, something strange was sticking out of the ice by the water's edge. It was a man's body, or considering the monstrous riddle that was to come to light later on, perhaps more accurately, it was a daibo, for it was sticking straight up in the air, feet up, thrust in the ice from the head to the waist, and its two legs in their flannel pajama pants spread in a V. It was a horrible yet inexpressibly comical sight. Kate held up the cover of the book because Mike was puzzling over that for a while, and it, it represents this last murder. So here's a couple things about it. The body is found upside down, face down, frozen into the lake. And we didn't talk about this, but there's the three heirlooms and each of the murders so far has fallen one of the heirlooms because one of them is chrysanthemum and he was in the chrysanthemum garden. Second one was the the kodo or the zither and he was found with the kodo string. So the third one is the axe or the yoki. And because ki yo was upside down, it becomes yo ki, which does make more sense in Japanese where the characters would be vertical. So they would flip. Um, we don't know yet the time of death or the method, but I'll tell everybody he was killed earlier that night and he was dead before being put into the lake. My questions are, who killed Kyo and why, and what are the circumstances surrounding Kyo's death? Okay, so, uh, yeah, I, I I went back and forth on this, so I'm just gonna, I just decided to, to dig hard into what I decided was true. Uh, so the reasoning is basically the only person who would stand to benefit from Kyo's death at this point is Tamayo. So it's either, so it has to be someone who wants to help Tamayo or Tamayo herself. And it's like, I could see at this point, like given my feelings about what Kyo has been up to, either Kyo or Monkey wanting this for her. So if Kyo and fake Kyo were working together, that makes me think it's Monkey uh, trying to make sure that Tamayo doesn't have to marry either of them. So there weren't any axes in the house. The police has already gotten rid of them to prevent like an axe murder because that's going to help. And this feels like a very silly way to represent axes. Be like, well, if Kyo is upside down, it's Yoki. So that's like an axe. So I felt like this was something Monkey would come up with. And we already said way earlier on in the book that he'd be willing to kill for Tamayo. So I decided that Monkey was the murderer. And he must have killed Kyo in some way, maybe even barely matters, that didn't involve an axe. Like he was strangled or beaten or stabbed, something not axe-like. So he was like, well, I'm going to turn him down upside down on the ice. And now it's like an axe. And everyone will think it's the same thing. Uh, yeah, so just um, totally to match the pattern and that it was probably against the machinations of everyone involved in the murders up to this point. Great. Uh, Sam? Well, I didn't know he was dead before he got in the ice, so I wrote down one option is that he killed himself, which doesn't work anymore. So the other option I wrote was that um, Matsuko, Kyo's mother, realized that Kyo was not Kyo and um, 
killed him. So that's actually Shizuma in the ice, which um, part of the reason I think that is because Tamayo was like, let's just get a handprint of this corpse, please. To which everyone was like, stupid woman asking for help (laughs) to solve this case. But I think if she was the one who did it, she probably wouldn't want to, or maybe she would want to prove that it's not her or that it's not him. That's not actually Kyo. But I don't, I don't think, I think that's Shizuma in the ice. Um, and I think we're going to see his tushy and we're going to find out that that's him pretty quick. I don't want to jump retcon here. I did also think that it was Shizuma. Uh, I didn't mention that because I was going Shizuma's through my reasoning. But it's body that was the Kyo that we've had up to this point that's fake Kyo. I think yep. it is Shizuma in the ice. Great. I do think it's possible that the Kyo and fake Kyo have switched because in my theory, they're working together. But I do, yeah, I think it's, I think it's Shizuma in the ice. Yeah, one of the v- theories that I decided just almost by flip of a coin was pretty similar to that. So, <laughs> all right, uh, Kate, you're up. Um, I also think it's Shizuma in the ice, and I have it written down on my paper. Um, I just trust everyone. I am I am changing my uh, Wakabayashi theory in the moment, but we haven't talked about that one yet. So no, we'll we'll get to that soon. My first thought was that Tamayo was responsible for. Kyo, who's really Shizuma's murder. But then there's the detail that says um, the murderer seems to have thrown the body into the ice upside down. And like Tamayo is described so many times as being this like willowy, delicate, beautiful lady. So like no way did she do that. Obviously Monkey would have had to do it. So I think it was Monkey on behalf of Tamayo, who I think did it because she found out that Shizuma was like masquerading as Kyo. Earlier in the book, they go through that whole part about the watch and how Kyo always repaired the watch for her. And I felt clearly alluding to some some romantical feelings between mm. Tamayo and Kyo. So I feel like she was horribly offended to find out that Shizuma was pretending to be Kyo and then head monkey take him out. So that not only would he be out of the way for her inheritance, but also the real Kyo can come back, which still doesn't make total sense. But these are all compelling guesses, and I'm excited to run through them next week, and and uh, we'll see how how everyone did. Um, there's no time to rest though, because we have a quick rapid fire elimination challenge that I call "What Good Is a Detective." You, I, I did something similar last year. When I enjoy a book, I always go to look at one star reviews on Amazon. Why did people hate this book? <laughs> there weren't any written one-star reviews for this one, but I found a two-star review from a, someone named P&L from the United Kingdom who writes, what good is a detective who only solves a mystery after about half of the protagonists have been bumped off? What good indeed? So in this challenge, I want you to come up with new versions of this phrase in rapid succession, picking a new profession each time. If you stall out, say something nonsensical, or just because I will eliminate you and the last one standing wins. So the format is what good is a blank who only blanks? For example, what good is a doctor who only gives you medicine after you're already dead? What good is a detective who only solves a murder after blah, blah, blah? All right, so Sam and then Michael and then Kate and then Sam and then Michael and then Kate and I will say when you're eliminated, last one standing wins. Are you deliberately putting me last in all of these now because you feel bad about the first round? No, it's because I didn't write them all down and I can't remember. (laughs) But I did have this one written down, so we're sticking with that. So yeah, last year I had everything planned out so that it was perfectly balanced, but you know, we're doing our best here. Uh, Sam, Michael, Kate. What good is a dentist who can only help you once all your teeth have fallen out? What good is a chef that only finishes preparing dinner after you already ate something else? 
Uh, what good is a teacher who can only teach you things you already know? What good is an architect who doesn't know what a right angle is? What good is a librarian in a world where books have been replaced by the internet? Nah. What good? <laughs> That's our current world. <laughs> Completely and, uh, replaced. Mm, no, you're out. What? <laughs> what a crock. <laughs> you're out to get me. I'm out to get you a nice hot cup of tea later tonight. Kate, you're up. Um, what good is a chef that can only cook those plastic display foods? What? Didn't someone already say chef? Oh, no. I was too busy thinking of other ones. I didn't say you couldn't repeat yourself, but I think we all know that's... No, let it go. Let it go. Okay, you can no longer repeat yourself. <laughs> you can no longer repeat a profession someone else has said. Okay, okay, okay. Mm. Sam, you're up. What good is a barber who only works on people with alopecia? What good is an accountant who also works for the IRS? What good is a lifeguard who will only save you after half of you has been eaten by a shark? What good is a marine biologist who only works on the land? What good is a manicurist who uh, will only work on people who bite their nails? Wouldn't that be worthwhile? Because then you would want to go to the manicurist to help. Fix it? If you don't know, if don't you don't have any nails. I mean, I've really stretched this. I feel like you should just get this <laughs> weapon gate. Like I know it's a podcast, but a couple of these I've gone. I'll give three points to I'll give three points to Kate. I was honestly waiting for you to just call it so we didn't go on too long. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to call it, but I enjoy these. You know that I enjoy these. All right. One final detective challenge before we wrap up. It is nagging questions. There's a lot going on in this book, and some questions remain outside of the murder. I asked you all to come up with these five things. We'll go through them one at a time. We'll try to keep these just, you know, answer pretty straightforwardly. You've talked about your theories and stuff, and we're almost done. So Michael, then Sam, then Kate. Michael, I'm going to ask you all five questions. Then Sam, then Kate. Sure. That's the order we keep doing it. No, Michael, then Kate, then Sam. Great. Michael, who killed Wakabayashi? Matsuko. Who was making the early attempts on Tamayo's life and why? Matsuko, because she had obtained the information through Wakabayashi of the contents of the will and was trying to get Tamayo out of the will. When the results of the handprint were announced, Tamayo twice began to say something but stopped. What was she going to say? She already had a sense that Kyo was an imposter. When the repatriated soldier was in Tamayo's room on 1116, what was he looking for and did he find it? The pocket watch. And I'm going to have to guess no, because she would have thought of that. Like she, vo like Tamayo volunteered that she could have been looking for something small where she didn't have to say that. So if the watch was there, she wouldn't have said that. And who is the, who is the repatriated soldier? We've been talking about this. The real Kyo. Great. Kate, who killed Wakabayashi? I think it was a coordinated effort between the three daughters, Matsuko, Takeko, and Omeko. Who was making the early attempts on Tamayo's life? I think also the three sisters... There were three attempts. I think one was done by each. When the results of the handprints were announced, what was Tamayo trying to say? Or thinking um, I agree with Mike's theory. I think she was trying to say that she suspected um, the fake Keo situation. What was the repatriated soldier looking for in her room? I also agree with Mike that it was the pocket watch and mm -hmm. that he did not yet find it. And the identity of the repatriated soldier? The repatriated soldier is the real Keo. Great. All right, Sam, same questions. Wakabayashi, who done it? Um, all my answers are the same as Kate's. Um, I think coordinated effort of the three sisters. Okay, great. It, they're all the same. All the same answers, basically. You've all come to more or less the same conclusions. 
well, by the time we got here, you had shared a lot of this stuff, but that's great. This was just to pick up the missing pieces. Before we finish this out, on a scale of one to 10, how excited is everybody to read the end of the book? Is excited the word? This is not for points. This is for checking in. Yeah, is excited the word? How are you feeling about reading the end of the book? I do need to know. I need to know. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I would maybe would have been like semi excited about it. I didn't think it was a bad book. It wasn't like my favorite book ever, but I need to know. Yeah. I, I think now that we've gone into like all of the details, because one thing we haven't explained is that like each chapter, there are just more and more clues introduced. And there's like, there is a roundup of like, here's all the things I know, but you never see like, okay, let's bring back thinking about this button. Let's bring back thinking about the Kodo string. Like, it it feels like a lot of little pieces that I want to put together, but I also am going to probably throw the book out the window when I'm done. (laughs) I am eager to know the solution to all of this. I am expecting it to be the same as the first book where we read the solution and there's some stuff that like, oh yeah, that makes sense. And then there's some stuff that's like, what the fuck? Like, how is that possibly supposed to be a thing that you would guess? So I'm expecting it to be a mixed bag, but I'm eager to find out how it all fits together. Yeah, I think this book is the other book, you know, one of the reasons I wanted to do it, which is cruel is because I was like, no one will ever guess how this was really done. And that's true. I think this one, you all have been you've you've gotten some things right. That's all I'll say. Which things? No spoilers. And, and all that. That's all I'll say. Someone has gotten something right. We figured out that Tamayo is actually very beautiful. And from here on to the end, it's like secrets are revealed and things are continuously revealed until the end of the book, which is why I like had to stop here. There's even some little details and questions I didn't ask you about that people were kind of hitting on. So let's stop it before I start spoiling everything for everybody. Next week, we are going to unmask Haha, who the killer and we'll talk about the ending of the book, play some more games, and also find out excitingly who is the winner of this year's Dying Message Challenge. But before we can go, we have to end on a cliffhanger, as always. So this is a cliffhanger challenge. So what that means is you all will give me your answers, and then I will tell you at the start of next episode who won the challenge, whose answer I liked the best. This challenge is called A Battle of Wills. So Sahe Unagami created this terrible, terrible will that pitted his family against each other. Let's say you're an eccentric billionaire and you need to leave your fortune to only one of your heirs for whatever reason. Come up with some kind of will or contest or something that your heirs have to be involved in that will determine who the heir is. And the most outlandish and interesting answer will win. Sam, then Kate, then Michael. Okay, so there's a competition. to So... I think by the time I'm dead, I hope I'm very vain. And so the competition is to paint the best mask of me, um, including hair, and the most lifelike but creepy, and to wear it, and like who can wear it the most in their daily life. And the person who commits and looks the most like me wins my fortune. The uh, lifelike mask contest. I love it. I'm inspired. Kate? I'm going to go with a um, massive obstacle course (laughs) that includes some parkour. I want there to be a paintball contest in there somewhere. Um, Some of that, what is it, like rough mudder stuff where you have to like army crawl. and, And then at the end, 
whoever gets there first just opens an envelope and it already has the name. Like the contest doesn't actually matter in the end. <laughs> wow. Oh, my darling three grandchildren. As you well know, before my death, I commissioned a statue of myself in my beautiful prime in my mid-20s. A perfect rendition made completely of tempered chocolate, one-one ratio, real size, down to the smallest <laughs> detail. My butt hairs are in there. My organs are in there. Oh. The mole underneath <laughs> my left uh, man boob is there. Uh, and it's all perfect. And the person who can eat the most of it uh, wins. Go. So do you have three statues or do they all have to eat the same one? One statue. Eat the most of it. Uh, I see. Um, I meant to tell you the scores as we were going on throughout, but I didn't update you on that. But what I will tell you is now, as before we, because we're cutting off on a cliffhanger, we're not going to find out who won that challenge. Michael, you currently have 15 points. Kate has 19 and a half and Sam has 21 and a half points. And that's all we've got for today. It's no mystery that this has been Dying Message Challenge, The Inugami Curse, Part 1. Special Dying Message Challenge logo by Miriam Bloom. Music adapted from Face Punch by Jesse Spillane. A huge thank you to our three contestants, Sam Abrams, Kate Esposito, and Michael Savitsky. Join us next week for the exciting conclusion of Dying Message Challenge, The Inugami Curse.